1: Are you ready to talk money, Reb?
0: Yes, I'm ready to talk money. See, I'm trying to be like, you know, has not hesitating not about hesitating. wanting to just, talk just money. Just go for it. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk money. But again, this is a show about the heart issues around money. And there's a big heart issue we're talking about today.
1: There is a, like, okay. as opposed to any of the other shows well, okay, that we do. okay,
0: okay, okay, yeah. yeah it, it, but it's a really, it's dear to my heart and dear to the heart of our special guest today. Mm-hmm. So... So okay. if I've got everybody's curiosity Everybody around, is Everybody's yeah. curiosity
1: is peaked. Good. We are ready. <laughs> Grab your coffee, sit down, relax. We are gonna have a conversation around the hard issues of, of money. That is what this show is about, of course. If you've missed some of our shows, you can always get them on morethanenough.ca and chri.ca, they're archived there. If you wanna get the podcast into your phone or wherever you podcast, iTunes is the best place. And if you do get it from iTunes, take a second and rate us. It's always fun to see the ratings. And if you want to leave a Facebook message mm-hmm. and just to update, Reb and I love reading those. We love getting a little bit of feedback. And always, we're sitting here in the studio with just, you know, our little group. And we know there's a lot of people out there that just have uh, have something to say. So we love the feedback. If you want to hear a particular show or a topic or something, feel free to just reach out and, and we can see if mm-hmm. we can get that on the show. As you said we got a very special guest with us today, and we're talking about a pretty big heart issue. So do you have a scripture you want to go first, I or can do. I just jump in and introduce the guest? I,
0: no, let's keep them a little more in suspense. Oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> okay. Um, the verses actually that I picked for today are 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 14, and they're related to our conversation today and not specifically about money, but um, but uh, let me read them. And I'm going to read them first in the NIV. And then I'm going to read them in the message um, interpretation of that scripture.
1: you doing that. I thing, do. Yeah. I do. Because that. it
0: gives us two very, it just makes it clear sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, brothers and sisters, we don't want to, you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, I can read those verses, and that can be a little confusing. This is about death, Mm -hmm. and actually, that's part of what we're talking about. We're talking about death and dying today and wills. Mm -hmm. So, there's the, you know. I'm
1: really impressed, because normally, we can't figure out what the verse is relating to until much later. Well, (laughs) that is not true.
0: Okay. That is not true. You better take that back. Anyway. Um, Here's the message, though. This is how it says. And regarding the question, friends, that has come up about what happens to those who are are already dead and buried, we don't want you in the dark any longer. First off, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave were the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life. Those who died in Jesus, and I, um, I, I just love those verses. They have actually been verses at the graveside that I've heard from people. And and really, when you're at the graveside and you hear these verses, you want to smack people actually because you're like, I'm grieving. Just let me grieve. Don't tell me I'm not supposed to grieve like like the world grieves because I'm grieving. I've lost this one I've loved. Um, but but. The truth of them is we don't have to grieve because this isn't the end. We don't grieve like the world does th- for the people who have no hope because we have the hope in Christ. And as Christians and believers, we believe we're going to see those we've lost again. Um, and we're going to seek Jesus Christ. Death isn't the final word. I love that, that the message says it's we're, you don't have to grieve as if the grave were the last word since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave. And yeah, anyway, I want to share those words because we 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 don't talk about death and dying very well in our culture. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it um, in the church even very well. And we well. thought
1: today we better talk about it. I'm thinking of the verse there Paul talks about and just says, death, where is your sting? Yes. Right? This idea that, you know what? It's a Death is something that is inevitable.
0: We're all going to die. We're all
1: going to die, right? And we get that, and so we think, well, then why, why pay attention to it? And Ian McLean, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I, I was going to say, Ian is a, is a, is a, is often involved in those last moments or in those last uh, Discussion. discussions around death because Ian is a lawyer. And lawyers, by trade, do wills. And the will is defined as a, a last will and testament. We've all seen that. So Ian's joined us on the show.
0: Welcome to the show today.
1: Oh, thank you. To, to, to inform us and get us all talking about what we need to talk about, really, uh, in in terms of this uh, this last will and testament and what that looks like. And we Reb and I realized we really needed an expert in that.
0: Well, and and it's something that's dear to Ian's heart because he's been talking to us about that recently, mm-hmm. um, the need for people to have wills, and uh, can you speak to that? Sure,
2: absolutely, Rebecca. What people don't realize is probably fifty to sixty percent of Canadians don't have one, mm-hmm. and that includes Christians. Yeah, I was speaking in a church a few weeks ago, and I was mentioning to people, did they have a will? And of course. People came up to me afterwards and said, well, no, we don't, but we're going to call you this week. No question about it. Mm -hmm. And I had three or four people who were going to call me, and of course, nobody did. Right. Because it's not something that we take seriously because it's not going to happen to us. (laughs) We're not – but – Unfortunately, is.
1: <laughs>
2: unfortunately, as I always tell people, we're not gonna, we're not going to get out of this thing alive. The yeah. death rate in this generation <laughs> is going to be a hundred percent. And it's there's a stat you
1: can pretty well hang your hat on. <laughs> you know. It. I
2: believe that particular stat to be true. Yeah, yeah. Some of the others may not, but that one that one certainly <laughs> suffices for me. But what you have to tell people is that this is something that you really have to look after. Mm-hmm. The simple reason is my own example. A few years ago, my wife said, have we looked at our will recently? And I put her off. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm sure it's okay. Mm-hmm. And she was bothering me about mm-hmm. it. Would you please look at the will? And I finally, just to resolve any issue that might be outstanding, I thought maybe I better. Mm-hmm. And what did I find out? I had a guardian for my married daughter. Right. That's oh, so, probably not a good so, idea. So that just
0: means you hadn't done it in a while. I hadn't done it in
2: probably <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. And people should have a will, number one, and then they should review that will about every three or four years mm-hmm. just to make sure that it still applies. Mm-hmm. Because a will is really your last testimony. Mm-hmm. To put it in spiritual terms, it's a testimony of your life. What, what has your life been? What are you going to leave as a legacy? Mm-hmm. And what is our legacy as Christians? Mm -hmm. Are we going to leave our family in disarray and chaos? Because if you die without a will, and I've had that situation so many times, Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're putting unnecessary and untold grief on the survivors. You're raising the costs of everything that happens. And your estate, your legacy may go places you do not want it to go. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's very important to do it. I, I give the ultimate example I had of a few years ago, uh, when I was practicing in North Bay, a, a lady phoned me up, and she was in desperate straits, What a, a church lady. What had happened is she and her husband had been down in Florida. They had a condo down there. They were coming back after being snowbirds. They got as far as Buffalo, where he took a massive heart attack and died after three days in a New York State hospital. Mm-hmm. They also had property in Ontario, up in the North Bay area. He didn't have a will. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a will. So the first thing we had to do was get the body across the border. Then we had to deal with the Florida real estate, which, of course, she didn't have any interest in because it wasn't on paper. Then we had to deal with the North Bay real estate because there wasn't anything there. And it put her to untold and unnecessary trauma and expense. And it took forever. Mm -hmm. We had to sort it out. And she was a Christian lady. All she had to do was come to me or anybody else because as you'll find, Dave and Rebecca, in your audience, and our audience, we don't often deal with billionaires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 80, 90% of the wills I draft are husband to wife, wife to husband, remainder to children. It's really easy. It's very simple. You spend a little time with people, find out what their unique needs are, because some of them have specific bequests they want to make. For example, right. a gift to a church
1: right.
2: or something like that. And then you get them in, you sign it, and you ask them to review it every five years.
1: And, and, you know, the the old adage that says an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I had to think about that for a minute, but an <laughs> ounce it. of prevention <laughs> is worth a pound of cure in this case is so appropriate because, again, if we place ourselves in, in the situation and say, it, I'm grieving over the loss of a loved one and that's good. And and I need to grieve. And then all of a sudden, I have all of these other details and financial aspects and properties and all that, that have to be dealt with um, at the same time I'm grieving. That's actually not a great time to be making those kind of decisions, even if you do get to make those decisions, because as you said, sometimes those decisions are out of your hand, the laws of the land come into play and, and all of that. And so, you know, an ounce of of prevention and just doing a will ahead of time or putting it down on paper and allowing allowing your, your what you want to be known makes a, wow, a pound of cure. It certainly does. Again, I, like many
2: other lawyers, have been called to hospitals at the last mm-hmm. minute where somebody's finally realized that maybe this is the time, and there you are at somebody's deathbed. They don't really want you there. In one sense, you don't want to be there, but mm-hmm. you're there to do what you can. And you get instructions such as they are, but you leave there and you're wondering, is this really what that person wanted? Because it was a last-minute thing. And then the friend tells you, well, that person really wanted to do this about a year ago, but never got around to it. Right. So there you are, you draft something, you've got your instructions, everything's done perfectly legitimately – but you leave wondering: Is that really what he wanted? Right. Is that really what she wanted to do?
0: And you, and you, as a lawyer, are beside these people, and you're thinking: This could have been different. This,
2: it should have been it, different. It,
0: sh- it should have been different. And I, and that's the point of what we're sharing today. It's a very simple message: If you don't have a will, and you have uh, property or a house or children or uh, people you care about in your life, go get it done. Do do the prevention now, because what happens? So if I have a will and I die, what what, ha- what is the process? Because I think this is something we need to talk about because we're not very good about talking about death. So I die suddenly, or or um, maybe not so suddenly, and. David is left with the kids and, I, and the will is open. Does a lawyer open the will or what well, happens? What's the process of that?
2: Well, if I've drafted your will, yes. I've got it in our fireproof safe. Okay. So if David was suddenly no longer with us, you would phone me and say, David's no longer with us. Could you find the will? Of course. I go there and I open it and I look at the will. And the first thing I realize is who is the executor?
0: Okay. Probably
2: if David's no longer with us, you would inevitably, I would assume, be the executor.
0: And what is an executor? Yeah, what the
2: is- executor is the person who's in charge of looking after the estate. Okay. What you want is you want somebody that you trust, obviously, as your executor. For example, if you have a husband, a wife, usually it's the other spouse is the principal executor but I always suggest having some other as an alternate because what you're doing when you're drafting a will is attempting to avoid intestacy at all costs.
0: And what does that mean? Intestacy
2: is when people die without a will. Okay,
0: right. And
2: for example, if you and David were unfortunately taken out in a car crash and you were each other's executors and there was no one else there, it's considered an intestacy. So what I always suggest, for example, if, if we're talking about David and it's his estate and you're the executor, I always suggest an alternate. And that's usually a child uh, if they're of age Mm -hmm. or a best friend or even a lawyer or someone that you trust so that there's never any intestacy in case the two of you were taken out. I've seen that. The husband and wife died tragically in a car accident. They had children. So it was an intestate. We had to go through the whole administration process while the children are left in, in a legal limbo for a certain period of time and unnecessarily inconvenienced and traumatized.
0: So when you don't have a will, so we if we do, we call our lawyer and it's all laid out for us there. But if you don't have a will, it goes to the courts then yes. to determine?
2: Yes, there's a whole series of statutes that determine who can apply for what's called administration. But administration, the statutes tell you what's going to happen to your estate you don't have any choice at that point okay and if there's people that you didn't want to get anything they're going to get it if there's people that you did want to and they're not and the administration says they don't they don't so it's all dictated to you by the by the statutes it's there it's unnecessary it's inconvenient you have to then take the extra step of an application to court okay and there's there's really great concerns there for example i had a You really want to be in charge of what your legacy is. You want your funds, whatever they are, to go to whomever you want them to go to. And you can find all sorts of interesting and curious circumstances. A woman in New York, a very wealthy lady, left $20 million to a dog. Mm
0: Oh, my.
2: And then there was the case, there was a case in Toronto in the 30s of the baby derby where an, an old bachelor, Decided, this is in the 1930s, decided he would leave his entire estate since he had nobody else to leave it to, to the woman in Toronto who had the most babies in the next 10 years. So the, <laughs> the baby derby was on. Oh, no. 10 years later, the executor of the will awarded it to three women who each had nine children. And they split it. Now, there was one woman who'd had 10 children, but she didn't get it because she'd had them by five different men. Oh, there
0: you
2: go. And in the Toronto of the 30s, that still meant something. I don't <laughs> know what would happen today, but I would suggest people don't do that <laughs> exactly. type of a will. <laughs> no. But it shows what you can do. Bob Fossey, who was the Broadway director, left in his will a X hundred thousand dollars, I think it was, to throw the greatest party ever. Mm-hmm. And he invited hundreds of people, and they all had a drink on him, I guess. Right. Oh. I would suggest there are other things more beneficial to the community and particularly the Christian community that you can consider as
1: alternatives. And and you talk about this uh, whole part about legacy and, and, you know, we often talk about when we do the the coaching that we do, you know, that's part of stewardship is in a sense saying, you know, when I'm alive – There's stuff I have to take care of. You know, I got to do an oil change in the car. I take care of that. You know, all of those things. We spend our time and energy and money taking care of our stuff. And if you have stuff, then we also want to make sure that it's taken care of beyond our life into the future. And I've heard some great stories about people who have done great things. In leaving the legacy, the one that pops to mind right away is is Alfred Nobel. If you know that story, where sure. he mm-hmm. started the Nobel Peace Prizes, it, uh, really as a prompt when he read his own obituary and said, "Wait a minute, is if this is how I'm going to be remembered with humankind?" I don't want to be remembered that way and and the headline read merchant of death is dead and he was a French paper had in fact in error got uh, realized that he, he had in fact not died it was his brother who had died but and- they wrote
0: his obituary and he, there he is sitting reading the paper reading because he created explosives mm-hmm. and he thought to himself if this is how I'm going to be remembered I don't, don't want to be remembered that way and then of course he goes on and creates an Nobel Peace Prize and to
1: which we still today are are celebrating you know there's a legacy that goes on and on right now because somebody looked forward and said Alfred Nobel by name looked forward and said wait a minute this is not what I want my fortune my life to reflect and and so and I think even if we don't have a fortune we all have stuff uh, and i often you know talk to people you know in your day to day giving you know we 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 do go to church and we do want to be responsible and, and in a sense give generously whether it's to the church or other places and by not having a will you're in fact giving up anything if there was any giving that you wanted to do and generally the the year of your death is the one that you make the most money in <laughs> i don't know if you've experienced that ian but in our financial piece whenever we see it we go wait a minute when we you know when, when death comes and we have to roll up all of our stuff into one pot uh, and the government says now we're going to tax you on all that um then we go wait a minute there's a legacy of taxes that I have to carry on, and we can actually offset some of that as well like, when, yeah, you know, but, through the will and, but, and preparing that ahead of time.
0: But I like how you've said it, Ian, that it's um, when we were praying, you actually said it's a gift. Mm. A will and our testament is a gift we leave our family and the people we care for.
2: It is. It's, a, it's a, the chance to bless them one last time. Mm -hmm. I've thought so much of you and I've loved you so much that I'm not going to have you experience the inconvenience, the expense, the extra trauma of not knowing what's happening now. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people that have done so many wonderful things. Over the years, I've had a chance to draft a lot of wills, and people do some wonderful things. They leave money to to missions. Mm -hmm. They leave money to whatever, Red Cross, charities, name it. There's all sorts of wonderful things people can do with the will. They can look after their family principally, and that's what they should do. Mm -hmm. But then there's a hundred other things you can do, and particular aspects of life that you've treasured yourself. Mm -hmm. You can bless those going forward. A will can be, as I said, the last blessing you can give to your family.
0: So this leaves the heart question for me: Why on earth are only fifty to sixty percent of Canadians doing wills? And Like, is it just, we're just not, we're living in the moment, we're just not thinking ahead? Do we, do we not like the word death? Do we don't want, do we not want to talk about it? Like, it, now I have my own experiences on this issue. Yeah. So,
1: like, Ian and I are supposed to answer that question (laughs) for you. I'm not sure I'm going there, Ian. How about you, right?
0: (laughs) I, I I mean, we can't, you can't know for sure, but I, I do know. I lost my brother tragically 16 years ago. I've lost my dad. We've had miscarriages. We've lost dear friends. Uh, My my uncle ended his life when I was a young girl. I've had death experiences that I recall all through my life. And David and I talk freely about death in our home and with family and friends. And in my own family, because we've experienced the loss of my brother so suddenly... You know, death is just a part of our conversation. I've My mom is 92. I've already written her her um, obituary that we're going to print when she dies because I needed to, to know where in Russia she was born. And I, I, there was no one to, left to ask. So, But people, when I tell them this, they're like, they either want to not look at me, avoid me, or change the subject sometimes. And I'm like, but th- it's death. This is part of life. But people just don't seem to want to talk about, about it. Is that your experience at oh, all? Oh, yes.
2: The, the culture is anti-death, so to speak, <laughs> and we're we're in denial. Again, we all think we're going to live forever. There's no two ways about that. It's a youth culture that you're dealing with. But that's not the issue. You look at that bunch out in Humboldt. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of youth that didn't make it past their, their teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have the final say on when that last moment is. It's just something that but we choose to deny again the 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 church I spoke in a few weeks ago, all these people, yes, they were going to but no no, we'll we won't get around to it. We'll get around to it at some point because we don't anticipate our own mortality, right and as we said at the beginning the the mortality rate is a hundred percent in this generation, but when you have the people we've said it before we came on air, we don't die anymore, we pass away right yeah there's the a,
0: words we use aren't.
2: No, and the whole mortician industry is there to make us look so so well when we're lying there in a coffin. It's and people go in and say, "Oh, how how well they look, or how how fine they look." It's a denial of of death. We used to have death. We used to have um, funerals from the houses. Mm -hmm. Now we've moved them into funeral homes. Yes. We used to have services in the church. We've now moved those into the funeral homes. We have memorial services and people just kind of disappear from the scene and if we can deny it we will Mm -hmm. if we don't have to face it we won't face it Mm -hmm. so that's why when you say your experience i'd say if you're not completely unique you're among a distinct minority Mm -hmm. of people that actually realize that maybe they won't make it through this thing
0: yeah i i think because my brother died in a car accident when we leave the house we we kiss our kids goodbye we we say we love you and we're going to do it as often as we can because we know that we might not walk through the door and and that's maybe like a morbid way to think of it but i just think i do not want to leave anything undone and and david and i even uh I know people think it's just funny, but we have this binder at home called the Drop Dead Binder. And um, it was my brother's idea. He has it because um, he has a big family. And if something happened to Dave or I, the kids could take that binder off the shelf and know where the wills are, know who, what lawyer to call, know where our insurance is. Um, it's it, it, it's list, it should be... Well, we have to work on it again, but it should all be updated and listed there. And I just think... It's an invaluable tool for our children who are young still. They're, our oldest is twenty-one, but our youngest is seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they need to know, and we talk about it. We talk about it as the years go by because it changes. As you said, every five years you revisit it because life happens, things change in your life, your properties change, your children grow up.
1: For sure, and and Dave, the ever practical. Is good to pause here and say, listen, there are so many resources, but Ian, how long does it actually take if somebody were to sit down with you and say, I don't have a will, I need one? Not long.
2: Not long. Again, who's your executors? Who are the children? How old are they? Do they need a guardian? Where are your assets? What do you want done? Do you have any specific bequests? Do we need powers of attorney, which we inevitably do? Mm -hmm. Do you want a living will, uh, which is basically the pull the plug provision? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I wrap it all up in what I call a a testamentary package. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to me, go to me, go to somebody else. But if we can touch even one person with the urgency of this then i think we've succeeded.
1: Absolutely. And and so an hour of one-on-one consultation with somebody who can give some direction, maybe an hour of conversation with you and your spouse to, you know, hey, we need to talk through this a little bit. So 2 hours, maybe 3 hours and you have something. And and something is better than nothing, right? Oh, absolutely.
2: Let's let's get it down on paper. You can always change it. <laughs> When you've made a will, when you've drafted any of these, these are not set in stone. Mm -hmm. You can change them any. You could change them ten times a day if you wanted. I don't recommend it. That might run up some bills. That's right. But you can change it. And every couple of years, when you look at it, you might say, "Well, I was going to leave X dollars to this person. Now I want to leave it somewhere else." Mm -hmm. You're not setting anything in stone, but do it. To quote the
0: company, yeah, just, do yeah. it. Just do it. Just do, just do <laughs> just it, Just right? do it.
1: So, and, and let's leave it with that. We're coming to the end of the show. We've got a couple of things um, that we want to wrap up. This is, in a sense, the second show in our series of spring cleaning. Last week, we talked about, uh, you know, facing your finances and and a, and a whole bunch of different topics around that. This is really quite a practical thing that just, it's a spring cleaning thing. You do it once. And then every couple years, you kind of get back to it. So um, if you've been listening, put it on your list to do. Uh, We're in the spring season. Let's get it done. It's a couple hours. Uh, You don't even have to have the conversation before you meet with somebody who knows. But certainly, you're going to have a conversation as you meet and afterwards to make sure everything is, is in good shape. Does that sound good? Yeah. Is that good homework?
0: Yes. Call someone who knows how to help you get a will in place. And, of course,
1: we've got Ian here. If you're in the Ottawa area, look up Ian McLean. Or and call your lawyer. Call a lawyer if you've got one and, and get it done. Just do it as we've already said. So today, also today's show is brought to you by, we have some new partners uh, in sponsoring this show and Brent Vandermeer from the Vandermeer Wealth Management System and Hollis Wealth. They've been such a great team. And I know there's a little coordination here because what Brent does in wealth management really corresponds and lines up with what we've been talking about today in the sense that you might want to talk to your financial advisor if you've got one who about this what do we do with our assets and our stuff and then go see the 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 lawyer who's going to put it down on paper and so uh, brent and his team are excellent for that they'll give you some good advice Um, and reb I think we need to just wrap it up.
0: I know. Should I, do we have time to pray even?
1: Well, if you do a short one, how's that?
0: <laughs> Father, thank you for the gift of our life. Thank you that your word says we don't have to mourn and grieve because you've conquered the grave. And Lord, we want to leave our families with peace of mind. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us um, tackle this subject of death and also put in place what needs to be for our families as our last gift to them. Uh, Lord, we bless you and thank you that we have an eternity with you. In Jesus name, amen.
1: Thank you, Ian, for joining us and for giving us your wisdom. Oh, you're quite welcome. It was a pleasure. And join us next week when we talk money.
2: Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.